Welcome to Writer Writer Pants on Fire, where authors talk about things that never happened to people who don't exist. We also cover craft, the agent hunt, query trenches, publishing industry, marketing, and more. I'm your host, Mindy McGinnis. You can check out my books and social media at mindymcginnis.com. And make sure to visit the Writer Writer Pants on Fire blog for additional interviews, query critiques, and more at writerwriterpantsonfire.com. If the blog or podcast have been helpful to you, or if you just enjoy listening, please consider donating. Visit writerwriterpantsonfire.com and click support the blog and podcast in the sidebar. Today's guest is Andrea Hanna, an award-winning author, essayist, and workshop leader. She teaches on living a healthy, creative life at her Wild Heart retreats and writes about making art on Twitter and Instagram at Andy Hanna. Andrea joined me today to talk about using the same process, whether she's writing fiction or nonfiction, and the constant hustle of being a successful freelancer. 16-year-old Alice Burton has a crush on a college guy, but the night he finally notices her, so does her dad's creepy best friend. Wasted Pretty by Jamie Beth Cohen follows Alice as she tries to protect her future, her body, and her heart. You have written both essays and novels. You are a staff writer for Bustle, and your YA novel of Scars and Stardust released from Flux in 2014. So, you obviously have some experience across the board with different types of writing. If you could talk a little bit about your own creative process and how you manage those different arts of writing with the essay versus fiction. It's super interesting because when you think about it, all of those forms and structures are completely different, right? Mm -hmm. But when I start any piece, whether it's a long form piece or even a short story or a poem, or even if it's something for myself personally, I always start the same way. I think of my creativity as a message mm -hmm. of what I want to say and who I am. We mm -hmm. work in ideas and we are putting new innovative thoughts out into the world that hopefully catch fire. So I always start with, what do I want to say with this piece? I have tons of interests and I could go in a million different directions at any time. What is it that's important for me to say? And am I the person that should be saying it? Mm -hmm. So once I, I have that down, then I kind of work in big ideas, big abstract ideas. I might think of mood or tone or theme. And that's where I start getting some visual ideas. I have like a private Pinterest board where I start putting things together for that. I build a world around it, uh, characters and plot. And that's true for both nonfiction and fiction. So even when I write essays about my past, you're still applying a narrative structure to a life, basically to chaos. The only difference with Bustle is that I'm projecting Bustle's message. So mm -hmm. they have a specific prompt and they have a message and what they want to say. And I'm just making sure that I echo that. As someone who is interested myself in freelance writing and that process of getting picked up to write smaller pieces as opposed to really burying yourself in something that's going to take possibly years to write <laughs> and hope that it can turn into um, an income. Can you talk a little bit about 
managing those smaller pieces and turning those smaller pieces like an essay into a freelance income? How does one get their foot in the door at a place like Bustle? It is so rewarding to just work on a piece for like a week and turn it in and see it get published and be done with it. <laughs> like it's off <laughs> your, your plate. And it's so satisfying because you know how it is with a novel. It's just years and years until you can really see the finished product. Security is a big issue. I have two small kids. And if I wanted to make a freelance career, I knew I would have to have something that had some stability where I knew more work was coming just for my own mental health. Bustle is actually one of the best companies to freelance for because they often post job listings online and they will look for what they call staff writers, but they're actually freelancers. Like I have to pay taxes out of my Mm -hmm. on my own. Mm -hmm. So they have staff writers that they are on staff and you get a weekly schedule and a weekly list of articles and you apply for the job like you would any other job. Like I think I send in my resume and a pitch, a sample pitch, and then they called me and we had interviews and back and forth kind of thing. So, and I did a trial day there, but it's been wonderful. I've been there for a year and a half. It's a great company to work for. And I know that there's always work coming. So Mm -hmm. it's got the stability of a regular job, but then there's also the flexibility, which is great. A couple of my other freelance clients I go straight for, uh, they're people that I pitch directly where I like to their work online. Like they might be small business owners or um, studios or different places that I've been to before that I really like. And I've sent them an email just conversational, friendly, like, hey, I've been to your yoga studio, or I really admire your work, or I've read this book, and I follow your business on these platforms. If you ever need a content or a copywriter, I do both. Here's a sample of my work, please contact me. And that's worked out for me a few times as well. So I have a couple of stable ghostwriting clients that I meet with on the phone every week and I write blogs and different social media posts for them as well. So, and then I also place like the periodic essay in different places as well, like Thrive Global or Mind Body Green or any of those. That's not where the majority of my income comes from, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Every freelancer that I've talked to talks about the hustle involved because you mm-hmm. are chasing down every job. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. So for me, having those stable behind the scenes incomes are really important for me because it's enough money where I feel secure enough and anything after that is bonus. So if I can't hustle for a specific week because I have a sick kid or I'm sick, it gives me a little bit more leeway. You also have extensive experience, not only with your own creative process, but nursing the creative process of others, as well as their creative soul. You offer both workshops and retreats to assist creatives. So if you could tell my listeners about how you came to create these programs and what they have to offer to participants. You know how you look back at your life and there are clues to what you should have been doing all along, especially when you were younger and you don't really see it at the time, but hindsight's 2020. Yes. Kind of what this has been like for me. So I was recently at lunch with a group of writer friends and we were chatting about writing stuff and all of them said, oh yeah, I used to come home from middle school and just open up my mom's clunky laptop. And all I did was write until it was time for dinner. 
and they all chimed in. They're like, yeah. And I wrote my journals and I wrote in this. And I was kind of like, oh, I didn't do that at all. I never had that desire to do that. What's interesting is I was always kind of like a creative kid who liked to make crafts and and do art and I went to art classes and I did dance and ballet and I I wrote funny stories for a period but mostly I was a creative kid who wanted to be a helper anybody who needed help I was always like oh I'll help you and I was always kind of like everybody's unofficial counselor and I loved it so I went into teaching actually uh, I was a special education teacher for a long time, and that quenched that thirst to help people, but it mm-hmm. didn't necessarily allow me a lot of leeway to to explore creativity in others. And then early in my career, my mom died, and she was super sick for a while before that. And my mom was a really, really creative, wild woman person born a little bit too soon. Um, she was just born at the wrong time. And didn't have a lot of chances to express her creativity. Mm -hmm. She was a single mom working a lot, that kind of thing. And so her passing away really lit something in me to help creative people create with less friction in their lives. And uh, it merged the creative part of myself and the helper part of myself. There's this lack of allowing in creative people. So many artists and writers and musicians I talk to say things like, I can't write that because that's not marketable. Or Mm. I can't write in the morning because then I might miss this. I can't miss a single basketball game or else I'll be a bad parent. Or if I take time for my own writing, the house will go, go to garbage kind of thing. There's so much resistance to just letting yourself be who you're going to be and allowing yourself to be creative in the ways that you were made to be creative and allowing your projects to be what they're going to be. And so over the years between my teaching, I also teach a creative writing class at a community college. Doing mini workshops has really led me to distill that theory down to let's teach people how to know themselves, how to allow creativity to come through them. That's basically what my retreats are about. That's what any of my newsletters are about. It's it's about time to sit back, find out who you are and what works best for you. And I've designed some specific tools like a map making process. And we do use some esoteric tools sometimes like we dip into tarot and astrology and all that stuff as tools for self-reflection so that you can find your own path and what works best for you and and make some cool stuff. One of the things that I really heard you talking about underneath all of that is guilt, essentially. Totally. It's a lose-lose because we feel guilt if we aren't being creative because we do know that we are not fulfilling something that we are called to. And also we are failing that project, whatever that project would be, whether you have one novel in you or if you have 10. It's like if you are not fulfilling that story, your story that no one else is going to tell, then you do feel like you're failing on that end. But then, as you're saying, there is just a myriad of real life requirements that we have every day. Kids, job, work, house, all of the things, social pressures even, all of the things that we are required to do to be a healthy, functioning human being, or at least a socially responsible one. And I 
think especially women, especially when it comes to the house and keeping the house clean and keeping food on the table and raising the kids. And it's not meant to be a sexist statement because plenty of men fulfill those jobs too. But I think women suffer more socially and personally if they are not doing those things and doing them very well. I totally agree with you. I can't tell you how many people, women in my life have been, or women identifying people in my life have been like, oh, I can't, I, when the kids get older, I will make that website, write that novel, paint that painting. Women more than men need somebody to stand there and pat them on the back for a second and be like, look it, it's all right. You can mm-hmm. get going on this. And I like being that encourager. And I, even if that comes, I'm not in person encouraging them at a retreat. Maybe it's through Instagram posts or a newsletter or whatever. I just want women to know that what you make has value beyond and who you are has value beyond what you can do for somebody else. I think it's really interesting too. You're talking about being a creative yourself, yet many of your urges are directed towards helping others with their work. And I find that really fascinating, to be honest, because and I say this as a creative myself, most of us are pretty self-involved. That's so funny. I I didn't think of it like that. I have never felt like, you know, I am going to help someone else make their work as good as possible because that is a drive that I have. You know what I mean? It's not... Totally. My passion is for my own work, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So, you know, what's so funny about that? I think that goes back to me as a kid being like, well, what do you mean? Nobody like everybody else is sitting around painting and writing. Like, I want to go help that kid on the street or something. And I'm not trying to say that to be like, look at me. I'm so awesome. It's just truly has been a drive within me my whole life. Mm -hmm. And I think what's interesting about that is I actually just quit teaching in a traditional school very recently. And I had been teaching part-time for a while up until then. And to be honest with you, I could have financially quit teaching a while ago, mm-hmm. but I, I didn't for the reason that I didn't want to ever stay at home all day and write. That has never appealed to me. That kind of gives me hives thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I wanted to teach. Like I want to help people. I want to be interacting with people regularly. So I just started doing my retreats last year and I've booked a bunch of workshops and I'm regularly teaching at the community college by my house. I feel like I could leave that school setting because I wasn't going to be at home writing all day, which is so funny because people are so different. Coming up, how Andrea's upcoming release, A Map for Wild Hearts, is designed to help creatives find their way through the obstacles blocking their artistic goals. The Carnival at Bray meets West Side Story in Sarah Carlson's powerful YA debut, set in post-conflict Belfast, Northern Ireland. Fiona and Denny seek to understand their family's pasts. They must choose between their dreams and the people they aspire to be. All the Walls of Belfast by Sarah Carlson. So let's talk a little bit about how you do help people find their way to their art. Your newest release, A Map for Wild Hearts, How to Make Art Even When You Are Lost, 
is designed to help the reader with a myriad of problems that they may come across in their creative process, but also their larger lives. So if you could tell us a little bit about that, um, what your goals are for that book and some of the things that you're hoping to address with that title. A Map for Wild Hearts is one of the books of my heart. And I would say it's kind of a culmination of all of my life's philosophies wrapped up into this workbook. And it's part guidebook, it's part essay, and it's part research-backed philosophy on how to create with less friction. So the first section of the book is titled How You Got Here. And it's very forest metaphor heavy, but it's all about how you may have gotten lost. Various ways that creatives tend to get lost, everything from toxic relationships or showing your work before you're ready or uh, comparison or lack of stability and structure in your own life or not dreaming big enough. And it talks through each section that way. And then the second section is how to make a map, basically, how to get yourself out of the woods. You start with the idea and I walk readers through their creative process. There are seven chapters where it starts with internal and it ends up being external. So the first three chapters are ideas and identifying your own voice and identifying your direction you want to head into. And each chapter comes with specific activities, everything from prompts to Mad Lib style fill in the blank to little quizzes. So they go through and do that. And once you've got your internal stuff together, you can kind of start to seek out relationships that are good for you or how to know when it's time to show your art to somebody. It talks a lot about emotions like jealousy and anger and sadness. And then it also talks about joy. I particularly like what you're saying about toxic relationships and mm-hmm. <laughs> also comparison. Because comparison, it doesn't matter where you are in your journey, someone is ahead of you. I know so many people and and I was one of these that I thought, you know, if I could just get published, then I will be happy. And uh, that's simply not true. You appreciate being published, but then you're like, well, I've got one book out now I want to. Now I want a movie deal. Why don't I have a Netflix show? You're never fulfilled when you're looking at other people going, well, they have that. Why don't I? So I'll tell you a little story. I'll be completely honest about this book as well. This book is indie published and it's the first time I've done this. And I've actually had any interest in in indie publishing, even though I think it's wonderful. I just, it hasn't been my avenue of choice until now. Mm -hmm. And I have an agent. We had this on submission for a long time, first as a proposal. And then I wrote the entire thing and had it professionally edited, which I don't suggest anybody does that. But I was so certain that this book had to be out in the world that I was going to indie publish it if it didn't sell. So it was an investment for me. We put it out and it got really close to being picked up several times. But in the end, it was the marketing department at acquisitions that was like, I don't know, it's kind of this strange hybrid. Like I wouldn't know how to market it. Is it a doll? Is it this? Is it a workbook? Is it a prose book kind of thing? And so it got turned down at acquisitions. And for me, that was heartbreaking, but I sat with myself a little bit there and I said, okay, what's the message, right? Is do I think this is important enough to go out? Like I tell all these creatives, be brave, make without fear, put things out there, take chances. So I had to do that as well. And I am indie publishing this. It comes out on August 13th. And 
to be honest with you, I'm, I'm happier with the publishing journey than I've been in a long time. It doesn't have a traditional book deal, but people are excited about it. People who've read early copies have said that it's helped them so much that they can't wait to share it with other people. And that's really all I wanted for the book. So in the end, my goals aligned with with what it is. And I think that that matters more than looking at what other people have going on for them. That's the truth. And I know just from having gone to acquisitions and been turned down quite a few times that marketing, they're the ones that make the decision in the end. And as a creative, it is frustrating because I have zero control over what the market is doing. You have to look at it as a positive and that if it's the case that it made its acquisitions, then that is an indicator that you're doing something right. Uh, It's not a judgment on your work. Usually it literally is the market and the list at that moment. And in that time that is making the decision about whether or not you're getting published. Totally. And I say that in a Matt for Wild Hearts too, there's a thin line between knowing when critique is valid and when you have to trust your own gut on something. And for me, that was the line. If I had had editors saying, you know, this part needs work, this doesn't make sense. If I had found some common thread, some common ground between all of what my agent was saying and critique partners and editors, then I would have really taken that to heart. There was no common thread and it was a marketing department decision for me that just meant, well, then I'll market it. Like, I'll do it. Right. Absolutely. You know your audience and you know how and who to market it to. So strike out on your own for sure. And I like too what you're saying about how you had to take your own medicine. Essentially, you had to go and do the thing that you have been telling people to do for a long time and make that leap. For sure. And I'm not going to lie. It was, it is and was super scary, but I am so glad that I've done it. My advice to anybody trying to make anything is you go and you do it and try not to think about what other people are doing and just listen to your own true voice on it. And it might end up with an agent or it might end up with a publisher or you might be indie publishing it or you might lose passion for it and put it in a drawer and you have to be okay with all of those results. You know how publishing is. You just don't know what's going to happen. No, you don't. And it's entirely out of your control which is freeing once you manage to embrace that. Lastly, riding through chronic pain, illness, depression, and where to find Andrea online. One of my most popular episodes on this podcast is with Hilary Jastrom, who is the CEO of SickBiz, and she deals with chronic pain herself while being a creative. And so Her episode about mental illness and depression and dealing with chronic pain while being a creative is my most downloaded episode. So in a map for wild hearts is chronic pain, depression or mental illness, something that you address as a block, as something that is getting in the way of the creative process for your readers? Oh, heck yes. I am depressed and I also have generalized anxiety disorder and If you believe it or not, for all of my loving being around people, I also have social anxiety. And I have worked with different therapists and medications my entire life. So I address that a lot. And I'm honest about that a lot. I offer suggestions, but mostly I offer grace. I want people to feel, especially people who are chronically ill, to feel that they are witnessed and seen and heard and that there's another creative out there 
that is doing her best to make cool stuff every day, but that sometimes I just can't make it either. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I have that I think is helpful for anyone dealing with chronic pain as a creative is at the end of each chapter, I have make your map exercise so people can actually make a visual representation of their creative process. And then if that is too hard for them and they're, you know, just struggling to get through that, there's something called a mapping modification where it actually gives you visuals or suggestions so that you can just plug them right into your map. And it kind of takes the burden of figuring something else out away from you. So I think it is also helpful if you're really, really struggling, there's another like stepping stone to help you get there. Mm -hmm. And you've mentioned the mapping concept a few times. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit more about that and how that process works? Sure. It is so fun. Actually, I just taught a workshop on it, an online workshop for Women Unleashed, and it was so much fun. I provide you with a PDF of map paper, but you can make your own. It's mostly just a blank sheet of paper with a little box in the corner for a key and another box for a compass. So as we go through each chapter and we work from internal to external, we, we add little things to your map. And we kind of think of the map as one project at a time. So if I'm working on finishing my novel, I try to make this map to represent what I'm going through and what my creative process is going to look like just for this project. Because as you know, things change with every book and piece that you write. (laughs) I have this map and in the compass section, I might think of a theme I want to go towards or a message I want to send and I write it down on my map. And then as I'm going along, I think of typical obstacles that might get in my way uh, before I finish this thing. And for me, that looks different with every book that I write. So this last book I just finished is in too many things, coaching too many soccer things, taking kids to ballet, just I had way too much going on. So I wrote that in my key with a little extension bridge is my symbol for that. And then another obstacle I had lack of rest. And I put a little angry grizzly bear in there for that. And mm-hmm. so you make a key of all of your obstacles that that you can foresee coming up. And you also make a key of the antidote for those obstacles. So overextension would be rest and not resting would also be rest. And then also community and socialization or um, trying a creative art that isn't writing to kind of refresh my brain. And you just make a path through the woods. I walk you through in more detail in the book. A lot of people like to use the maps when they finish as like a vision board so that they can tack it up on their corkboard or on their desk so they can keep it handy when they're feeling really stuck. And a lot of people alter them as they go along, like, and they come across other obstacles and they can brainstorm with friends about what the antidote might be. And it just kind of gives you a really realistic picture, a bird's eye view of what it's going to take out of you and that you also have solutions to those things that you might come across. Very cool. So it is a literal map of the obstacles that you envision getting in your way to your goal and how you plan to circumvent them. Yes, totally. So cool. I love it. Last thing, what is up next for you and where can listeners find you online? Oh my gosh, I feel like I have a million disjointed parts coming up next for me. I actually just finished my first YA in a really long time. It's called Black Bear Wild, and it's about black bears that lumber into this town and are attacking the town and people because they're 
they're starving from climate change, which is actually a real thing that's happening right now. And about a girl who is her father's like a famous wildlife biologist. And then her longtime boyfriend goes missing and they think it was a bear attack. And she's got to figure out all this stuff. So I'm really excited about that book. It's still in the editing phase with my agent, though. So it'll be a while until anything happens to that. But I'm super pumped that I I went back to YA after a, a long hiatus there. And then I am also working on a graphic novel and it's called Heroes of the Oak. And it's about, um, it's a Jumanji meet Stranger Things mashup, which is really fun. I'm just doing my retreats and I'm doing some workshops. I'm doing one in New York City in October. And you can find me online. Um, my website's just my name. It's andreahanna.com. And I'm on all the socials at Andy, A-N-D-E-E, Hannah. Writer, Writer, Pants on Fire is produced by Mindy McGinnis. Music by Jack Corbel. Don't forget to check out the blog for additional interviews, writing advice, and publication tips at writerwriterpantsonfire.com. If the blog or podcast have been helpful to you, or if you just enjoy listening, please consider donating. Visit writerwriterpantsonfire.com and click support the blog and podcast in the sidebar. <laughs>